You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Accelerating payments and improving cash flow with HSBC Corporate Cards. Welcome to Someone Else's Problem, why we need to join up people across functions, the second episode of a five-part series of podcasts from HSBC and Visa with me, Vincent Evis. We've created this podcast series to help with a challenge that is affecting lots of businesses when it comes to the procure-to-pay process. Namely, that we're either using outdated processes, not working to a coherent plan, or just not releasing the potential value that's there for the taking. This week, our topic pays homage to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're talking about someone else's problem, or to put it another way, our tendency as humans to be a little bit insular, and to think within our silos. Why is this important? Well, in episode one, we touched on the business case for payment cards. In this episode, we're going to examine what the business case looks like from different perspectives, because we need to ask the question, who is great really for? Sometimes a benefit in one part of the business is creating a problem for another part. If you're only focused on your benefits, you won't be aware how your solution affects other departments. In B2B, or business-to-business terms, it's also important to weigh the benefits as they're shared between the business and the supplier. Let's start off with the parable of the packed payment benefit silo. What happens when you pack 50 invoices as a business into one payment to the supplier? Finance and Treasury tend to be happy. However, on the supplier side, the accounts receivable team face the challenge of unravelling the detail behind each payment. They have to call the accounts payable department in the buyer, who then has to call someone in procurement, or a specialist buyer to work out what the invoice breakdown is. It becomes administratively expensive for both buyer and supplier increasing time and cost in both the buyer's requisition-to-pay process and the supplier's order-to-cash process. For the latter, this could lead ultimately to price increases. Just because a payment is cheap to make to a supplier, it can still be an additional cost to the business in terms of process. This process cost could far outstrip the cost of taking a payment by card, especially where reconciliation data could be included in the card payment file. Many stakeholders are involved in the buying process, but who owns that process? Everyone and no one. The typical procure-to-pay process spans multiple areas. Most companies will split them into direct and indirect purchases as in buying something that you produce, or ancillary equipment and services that don't ultimately go towards your output. So someone needs something, and somewhere there will be some kind of requisition documented, 
It will be approved. There's likely to be a purchase order issued. The item is received. An invoice is received, which is then checked for quality of goods and services. Any mismatches are raised or reconciled. And finally, payment is issued. To discuss this further, we spoke with Joanne Towers, Managing Director, HSBC Europe. Joe, perhaps you could talk us through your experience of clients working in silos when it comes to their P2P or R2P process. And in particular, what what do you think could be improved? Thanks, Vince. Yes, this is something we, we certainly do see. In the area that we're in, we're typically liaising with a treasury department, so the the head treasurer or it might be the, the CFO. And when we talk to them about the opportunity to benefit from various card solutions, um, it's typically not something they have a lot of experience in. And um, when we ask them who deals with it within their organisation, it can sometimes take some time to identify who that who that individual might be and what they already have in place around a cards programme. Um, so that could be a procurement area, it could be the um, accounts payable area, it could be finance. Um, and then there are lots of individual departments who, you know, may, may be utilising, um, you know, their own their own cards for, for various expenses. So I think trying to, first of all, map the landscape on who are the areas that might be involved in, in a particular programme and what's in place today, understanding shared objectives, what an opportunity might be collectively across the organisation, particularly around um, whether it be cost saves or better data, um, bringing those all together um, and the the various parties can have benefit. We've also seen this internally, um, you know, trying to work closely with our procurement area and, you know, managing our own cards programme internally. So, um, it's it's something that you do need to get your arms around and make sure you've got the right contacts. Um, and, and you can definitely see the benefits when you bring everybody together. That was Joanne Towers, Managing Director, Head of Payments and Cards at HSBC Europe. Who is involved in this process? The person who makes the request, a line manager, a specialised buyer, a goods receiver, right up to Treasury and Finance. These other people involved in the process. But there are even more people impacted by the purchase. Perhaps the CFO, the CPO, the strategic sourcing manager, the supply chain manager and so on. It looks joined up and seamless, but inevitably things are always more complicated. Procurement manages the process from requisition to purchase order. Accounts payable handles the invoice received to managing mismatches. Treasury makes the payment. And this is how silos emerge. We're familiar with typically three types of processes that we see in mid to large organisations. Firstly, no-touch processes, which don't require much involvement. They tend to be low risk. Secondly, low-touch purchases, where somebody needs to check something or control the stock. Perhaps some inspection is required. And then finally, high-touch processes, which are usually infrequent but very important, like, for example, the so-called Jesus pin on the helicopter rotor, an item which doesn't cost very much, but which you would probably not endorse cheapest-cost second-hand internet buying. The more things are catalogued, 
the more automated the process can be, the data flowing freely from purchase to delivery systems. That makes it one of the best card opportunities in the world. It's fully automated, and the buyer and supplier know exactly what is included in each purchase. In other words, the VAT, the serial numbers, and so forth. In addition, payments on cards can generate additional data and reporting for the buyer that other payment types do not provide. There's also the fact that card payments allow financing opportunities for the purchaser that backs, wire transfer or account payments cannot provide. What's the thing that brings everything together? The answer is the business case and where it aligns to each function. For example, one of the benefits of cards is that it provides cash back to the company. That's great for finance, but not an issue for accounts payable, for example. Generally, procurement want robust strategic supply agreements, managed discounts and elimination of noisy processes. Treasury and finance want working capital improvements, financial incentives and fraud reduction. IT want audit and compliance, following the policies, accumulating the necessary data. Accounts payable want automation and reducing the cost of payments. And human resources want employee experience and customer service. And the end user, the buyer? Well, they just want the stuff they ordered as quick as possible so they can get on with their job. You can end up with a business case that unifies the problems across a business so that you're just implementing a card for, say, a finance function. The challenge is that we're generally risk-averse creatures that don't like change, particularly when it comes to loss aversion, something that Nobel Prize-winning economist, psychologist Daniel Kahneman talks about. People are more concerned about losses than value gained. It taps into remembered pains and so on. The other risk is in assuming that people actually know about what's on offer, We did some research for Visa that revealed 70% of people in purchasing had heard of a payment card, but only 10% had heard of a virtual card. Bear in mind, too, that words like compliance mean very different things for different functions within the same organisation. For finance, it might mean process control and segregation of duties as a priority, whereas procurement, it means the preferred supplier list – and discount deal fulfilment. For speed of payment, finance wants cash flow and delayed payments, whereas procurement wants happy suppliers and prompt payment terms. So we have to be careful about talking in general terms about things like improvements in compliance and so on. For who? Doing what? And how? Credit and borrowing are familiar territory to finance and treasury. They tend to mean less to procurement, who are by their very nature buyers. That means different functions place different value on payment instruments. Where there's an issue of cash flow, that's where a bank can come in and help. Even within functions, there are silos. Procurement, for example, falls between strategic procurement and transactional procurement, where cards can in particular help with automation. Let's turn our attention to what is the real cost of a purchase order. The average cost is estimated at around 90 US dollars, let's say 70 pounds. But that's an average not represented by a single line, but by multiple buying channels. 
A requisition can go through many different paths within an organization, some automated, some highly manual. Each step adds cost and people, policies and so forth. It's highly likely that every process you add on the buyer's side, you're also adding one on the supplier's side too. So a key takeaway here is that the demand for goods and services doesn't follow one path. It's not a unified cost. We have high touch versus no touch. The more you can move POs onto cards, the lower your average price for each PO can be. Let's just have a quick think about how a transaction works. What actually is Visa? Visa has no idea what you're spending on your card. It's your bank that knows that. Visa are the the rail tracks between the card issuer, the card acquirer, the cardholder and the supplier. Most of our listeners will be familiar with using their own consumer cards and may have seen quite a degree of generally increased receptivity to card payments in retail. That's largely because the cost of card acceptance has fallen dramatically to suppliers in recent years, driving adoption in the marketplace. That means that it has become much easier and cheaper for suppliers and businesses to accept cards in general as a result of positive regulation which has brought down the cost of accepting cards. Even if commercial cards are still more expensive than consumer credit and debit cards, there is likely to be continued pressure for all card types to reduce in cost for the supplier. This is important for when we look at the business case in the next episode, rebate for the buyer comes from taking the money from the supplier. As such, that is a potentially fragile benefit to rely on, whereas the process automation benefits for both buyer and supplier are more anti-fragile and future-proof. Let's quickly think about the current state and the future state. As well as thinking about the balance of benefit across individual silos, organisations have to evaluate the shift from a current to a future state that a switch to card payments will involve. It is possible to map what we call demand channels in an organisation so that we know how demand for all things is eventually satisfied and supplies paid. Typically, this can be done by sourcing document information which describes various channels that are used to pay different suppliers. We, for example, have found in our research, that on average suppliers are paid by 2.3 different processes and 2.6 different methods of payment. So let's think about the themes we've had in episode one and two and look at a few tips to ensure you don't end up creating problems for others when you think you are being brilliant. We will explore that in the next episode, but we hope you enjoyed this one. Please make sure to listen to the other episodes in this series. I'm Vincent Evis. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.